Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, since we have this ministry through the mercy shown us, we are not discouraged. Rather, we have renounced shameful, hidden things, not acting deceitfully or falsifying the word of God, but by the open declaration of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for the sake of Jesus. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to bring to light the knowledge of the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ. But we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. The Word of the Lord. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Announce His salvation day after day. Tell His glory among the nations, among all peoples, His wondrous deeds. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Give the Lord, you families of peoples, give the Lord glory and praise. Give the Lord the glory due His name. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Say among the nations, the Lord is King. He has made the world firm, not to be moved. He governs the peoples with equity. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. An argument broke out among the apostles about which of them should be regarded as the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are addressed as benefactors. But among you it shall not be so. Rather, let the greatest among you be as the youngest, and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one seated at table or the one who serves? Is, not, is it not the one seated at table? I am among you as one who serves. It is you who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred one on me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, we celebrate today a pope and a doctor of the church, Gregory the Great, who was uh, pope, uh, lived at the end of the... Uh, sixth century and into the beginning of the seventh. 
And he is the one from whose name we, we, we derive the term Gregorian chant. St. Gregory, patron saint of music, and the chant in the church that has so lifted up and continues to lift up the spirits of worshipers throughout the world and throughout the centuries remains to this day. And it reminds us, when it comes to sacred music, do you know what the primary instrument is in the church? The primary instrument of music is and has al always been considered to be the human voice. The use of instruments in the church, whether the organ or other instruments, is meant to be a support for the human voice. And, and, and this is a very important tidbit because, brothers and sisters, it is the voice that speaks the word. Remember, we are worshiping the Word of God. Christ is proclaiming His Word each time there is a liturgical celebration. And it is the human voice that must always predominate. Uh, instrumental uh, accompaniment is never meant to drown out the voice, because otherwise you're drowning, drowning out the Word. And Gregorian chant enables the voice to really uh, lift up the spirit in a beautiful way that the church has benefited from for centuries. But aside from his contribution to church music, Pope St. Gregory teaches us a lot. He wrote a lot, commentaries, biblical, moral. Uh, that's why he's a doctor of the church, great doctors of the church. We think of Jerome and Augustine and Ambrose and many others, men and women alike. Gregory is one of them because his teachings have a particular impact on the church's understanding of the Word of God. But what I want to reflect with you about for a few minutes today is his role, the role of this saint as a pope. Because in the Catholic community, the role of the pope is obviously key, but it's also a source of great confusion both within and also outside the church. And I know we have some brothers and sisters of ours from other denominations who watch uh, my masses. And we want to make sure that we in the Catholic community uh, do not um, fail to explain properly what our belief is in regard to the papacy, the successor of St. Peter, uh, and the role that, that, the, that the Pope has. Well, let's begin by letting St. Gregory speak. One of the things he's known for relative to his role as a pope is uh, that he uh, used the term, and it has endured to this day, servant of the servants of God. And it comes actually from the scriptures that we heard today. Uh, Paul says, for example, to the Corinthians, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus. And as far as we ourselves, we are your slaves. So here's you know, the great preacher and apostle Paul proclaiming the word to the masses, and he's saying to them, we're your slaves. And of course, Paul is getting this from the same place that Gregory gets it, and that is the words we heard Jesus say in the gospel, I am among you as one who serves? Now, how did Jesus serve? We're not just talking about social justice here. He served by giving his blood on the cross 
by commending his spirit into the hands of the Father, by offering his life. No one takes my life from me, he said. I lay it down freely. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. What power? It's the power of love. He knows that by his death he is accomplishing our salvation. This is his service to us. His blood cleanses us. And that's why in the book of Revelation, when John sees this vast crowd of the saved wearing long white robes, how did those robes become white? They were washed in the blood of the Lamb. He serves us by washing clean our sins by the shedding of his own blood, the offering of his own life. This is what the Mass is. It's the offering of Jesus to the Father for our salvation. He is serving us to this very day. So the Vicar of Christ, which is another title of the Pope, is oh, it's always referring back to Jesus. It's Peter's confession of faith, you are the Christ, that then leads Jesus to say, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It's not on Peter's talents as a person. It's on the rock of his confession of the faith and the office that is established. Now, in that office, God gives a role of service to the faithful because... He says to Peter, strengthen your brethren in the faith. Understand this very clearly, brothers and sisters. The Pope is not some kind of avenue to some secret knowledge about the faith that the rest of us don't have. No. The faith is thrown open for all the world. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to all the world. Don't question me about my teaching. Ask those who heard me. And every pope should be able to say the same thing. We have all received the faith. That's the beautiful thing about the Christian faith, the Catholic faith. The word Catholic means universal. And there are many different levels of that meaning of universal. And one of them is that the, 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 the word and the message and the truth are universally available. The lowliest, least educated, most common, ordinary member of the faithful has just as much uh, uh, access to the faith as does the Pope. So that's point number one. Point number two is there are many forces in the world confusing us and many people that want to lead us astray away from the faith and that's why we need shepherds, not to give us the gospel according to them, as Paul says in this first reading, we don't preach ourselves, but rather to reinforce for us the faith that has been thrown open wide and given to us all from Jesus. So the faith is given to us all, and then we have shepherds who say, remember folks, here's what you believe. Remember, everybody, here's what the church has always taught. And that phrase is key as we think of the role of the Pope. He cannot create new items of faith. He always teaches, as we all always teach and believe, what the church has always taught. Now, in service of that faith, the Lord bestows upon the office of the papacy the ability 
to define dogmas of faith, but this is something that is used very, very, in very, very limited and special circumstances, and it's only for things that the church has always believed, but that the circumstances of the times require us to emphasize with a new vigor, a set of boundary lines where those boundaries perhaps have been confused. There are certain times in history where there was particular confusion about how Jesus is both God and human. One divine person, two natures. Because of the confusion, the church, with the teaching authority of the pope and the bishops, had to define certain dogmas about Jesus. They weren't inventing them, and they weren't doing it just out of their own desire to create a new idea. It wasn't a new idea. It was what the church had originally received from Jesus, but it had become obscured a little bit. And then again, at the time of the Reformation, a lot of confusion about what is the body of Christ on earth? What is the church? And so the church, again, because of the rampant confusion, had to clarify, but the church was clarifying what she had received all the way back from Jesus and the apostles. Wasn't, nobody has the authority either to add to the revealed word of God or to subtract from it. Can the pope decide that there's going to be a new book of the Bible? No, he can't. Create a new dogma that we've never heard about before? No, he can't. Or take one away that's become, oh, a little bit too inconvenient or controversial. No, he can't. Servant of the servants of God. Confirm your brothers and sisters. Strengthen your brothers and sisters in the faith. Jesus says to Peter and his successors. Be a beacon of clarity. Not a fog of confusion. We do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus. Our own opinion doesn't matter. Popes are not oracles. Some people think that the Catholic Church believes that the Pope is an oracle. What I mean by that is, oh, well, you know, you go to him as if you're, you know, going to God himself and everything he says is true automatically, no matter what he's talking about. That's ridiculous. That would be bordering on idolatry. The Pope has a specific office to be the primary promulgator of the gospel. He's the vicar of Christ. He's not Christ. He's the vicar of Christ. And therefore, just as I as a priest and all of us as baptized Christians are responsible to reflect the truth that Jesus has handed on to us, so he's responsible for doing the same. This is, this is teaching, and this is teaching that Pope Gregory, St. Gregory the Great, would emphasize again and again to us. We hold this treasure, the reading says also today, in earthen vessels, that the surpassing power may be of God, not of us. This reminds me of an image, and it helps us to appreciate the strange mixture that we experience in the church of the human and the divine. The image of the golden coin being held by the dirty hand. We are earthen vessels. We are weak. We are sinners. We make mistakes. We think the wrong thoughts. We do the wrong actions. And yet despite that and without taking away 
that frail mortality and humanity of each of us, Jesus does entrust to us certain roles for the building up of the body of Christ. And the papacy is one of them. But the earthen vessels are still earthen vessels. The dirty hand, dirty because of sin, because of weakness, is still a dirty hand. But the golden coin is still gold and has all its value. And that golden coin is handed on from generation to generation. The deposit of faith, the truth of what we believe, the golden coin passed on by the dirty hand. This helps us understand the role of clergy, of bishops, of popes. Keep focused on one simple thing. What has the church always taught? What was handed down from Jesus and the apostles? That's what we hold on to. That's what we give witness to. That's what we strengthen one another in believing and professing to the world. We saw the other day the creation of new cardinals in the church. Cardinals are key advisors to the Pope. And part of the ceremony of the creation of these new cardinals was their profession of faith, a very solemn profession out loud, each one of them, that they believe what the church believes. Notice the emphasis. It's on what has been handed down, not on anything that comes from their own mind or opinions or preferences or politics. Brothers and sisters, likewise, tomorrow a special event will occur in the Catholic Church. The beatification of Pope John Paul I. The Pope that served in that role for just one month. I remember when he was elected. I remember the day that he died. I was in college seminary at the time. 1978. And Brothers and sisters, it was a time when we saw this uh, very humble pope, very, uh, got, came to be known as the smiling pope. Now he's being beatified. It's the step just before being canonized, being declared a saint. And you know what's so significant about this is that it reminds us that uh, for many of us, we have lived our whole lives up until the time of uh, Pope Benedict, who, of course, is still among us. All the popes in our lifetime who have passed away have been saints. Think about this. John XXIII has been canonized the saint. After him came Pope Paul VI, who brought the Second Vatican Council to its conclusion. He has been canonized the saint. After Paul VI, in honor of John the Twenty-Third and in honor of Paul VI, John Paul I became Pope. And tomorrow, he will be among the ranks of the blessed. And then, of course, John Paul II, who served in the papacy from 1978 all the way till 2005, is a saint. It's important to put this in perspective. As many popes 
were not saints. Many were, including the one we celebrate today, Gregory the Great. They're not necessarily the same thing. Whether one is a saint does not get determined by the robes that they wear or the offices they hold or the responsibilities they carry out in the church. That's not what makes you holy. What makes you holy is your obedience to the Word of God, your faithfulness to that truth that has been handed down from Jesus and the apostles, your, your service. I am among you, Jesus says, as one who serves. Your union with the will of God, your obedience, your heroic virtue. This is what makes someone a saint. Not that they are addressed as father or bishop or your holiness, the Pope. And yet we have been blessed in our lifetime with St. John the 23rd, St. Paul the 6th, blessed John Paul the 1st as of tomorrow, St. John Paul the 2nd, and people such as St. Gregory the Great. It's not always that way. It's not always that way. Being a priest doesn't make you holy automatically. Being a bishop, being a pope doesn't make you a saint. We focus on what the church has always taught and we rejoice in the gifts like the Eucharist that we are about to celebrate, offer, and receive. Thank you, Jesus, for these gifts. Make us true servants and loyal believers all the days of our lives. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.